Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today. I'm very excited to have Paul Holder on the phone. Uh, Paul is in, in our nation's capital. Um, he owns a, a couple of restaurants, Town Hall and Six Engine, and uh, is uh, has been doing this for quite a while. I think um, you guys opened Town Hall back in 2005, right, Paul? That's correct. All right, good deal, man. Well, listen, thanks for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Um, we'll kind of jump right in. You uh, you went to, if I read correctly, you, you're from New Jersey. You went to Georgetown and double majored in marketing and international business. Yep. But I, you, uh, you kind of t- tell me about that because how, how did that how did it go from there to uh, opening Town Hall a couple years after you graduated? Okay. Yeah. So I I, I went to school here in D.C. and uh, you know I. I Sort of say I fell into the restaurant business a little bit. The the one thing that I knew that I, I didn't want to do was was sort of follow the sort of investment banking track that a lot of a lot of my classmates did and, and move up to New York uh, after school. Uh, so I was I was living down here in D.C. and I was I'd taken the summer off after school and uh, a teammate of mine uh, started bar backing in a bar in Adams Morgan and. Uh, he uh, he needed to go on a family vacation for a couple weeks and needed someone to fill in for him. So uh, I just started and started off as a as a part-time fill-in bar back at, at a bar in Adams Morgan. And uh, apparently I was really good at keeping beer cold and and restocking ice and whatnot. So they kept me around and uh, started bartending, started managing the bar. Got to got to meet a couple couple people who weren't complete knuckleheads and. Uh, we sort of started talking about opening up a bar and a restaurant together, and uh, you know I was fortunate I got to keep, skip a couple steps, got to got to get into the management and ownership uh, phase a little early, and uh, yeah, we got we got Town Hall open in, in 2005, uh, and right. you know, yeah, since then we've we've grown a little bit. We've opened up some other spots. We're working on a third spot right now, but. Uh, yeah, it wasn't something that I expected. It and certainly probably not something my parents expected. Uh, but it's 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 been a it's been a fun and interesting ride. It's certainly certainly a lifestyle decision. Uh, you know, sometimes you're working when your friends aren't, and and vice versa. But uh, it's 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 nice being your own boss. Yeah, man, I got okay. So this I gotta ask this because you're at Georgetown. You got a lot of folks, your buddies, so forth that are going into investment banking. It's an easy you know, I always call it the funnel, right? So you, you kind of, you wind up at a certain university and you wind up in a certain major and you almost kind of get funneled into a career. And so how did you, a lot of people realize that, frankly, Paul, you, you had, a, you know, a lot of uh, wisdom early because I think a lot of people realize that, you know, five, 10, 15 years into the wrong track and they feel kind of stuck. So you were fortunate enough to figure that out early. What, tell me about that. Well, I mean, part of it for me was identifying what I knew I didn't want to do. And then, you know, I've I've always, I certainly, you know, I've, I've got a couple partners here, and, and certainly we all have our own specific skill sets and things that we add add to the, the business. I, I personally see myself more in, like, the operations. I, I certainly enjoy entertaining, and, and, and there's a certain uh, – elements of that that you have to enjoy and you have to embrace uh, in, in being part of this business. And I, I you know, I, I grew up in a household that did a lot of entertaining and, and like I sort of had that bug a little bit 
Uh, my grandfather was in the restaurant business. It skipped a generation with my pops, but, uh, you know, it was something that I enjoyed and could see myself doing, and I felt that I could bring a sort of operational mindset to it as well. Um, I think one of the things that people sort of lose sight of in this business is that it's a business first and foremost, and because it can, mm. you know, for lack of a better word, you know, people see a Saturday night and hang out at the bar and, and sometimes just assume that that's, that's all there is to it, but it's 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 a business like any other, and uh, you have to treat it as a business like any other. Um, and I think that I can I sort of bring that mindset to it, um, and just it just sort of seemed to work for me. It it was a good fit for me. It's it's proven to be a good fit, and you know there there are certainly you know times along the way when I was like when I reflect and wow. Is this a pivot point for me? Should I go to business school now? Is this something that's just been sort of a passing phase or, or any anything like that? Um, so I had you know a couple opportunities along the way to sort of reflect and and you know think if I had made the right choice or what have you. But you know each at each fork in the road, I, I you know I reassess and, and this is what I wanted to do. That's awesome, man. Well, you got so so 2000. So you've been at it 12 years at, at Town Hall. Um, and I know, you know, I read on the website, I thought it was interesting. I just noted that, it, you know, you guys, you said, look, you know, we're we're owner-operators and we believe in that and we, we believe in somebody always being around. Um, tell me about that and why that's why that's so important. Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's it's sort of a point of differentiation for us. I mean, we are, we are very much an, a neighborhood restaurant and bar. And I think one of the things that was sort of specifically unique to Town Hall uh, in the sense of when we opened is that we were, you know, hands-on owner-operators and we established relationships with our guests uh, who, you know, aren't just really our guests at this point, they're our friends. And and that's that, that in and of itself is, I think, a little tough to recreate. And certainly as we open other places, we want to be presences in, in all those restaurants. But for us to to be here all the time like we were at Town Hall is, is tough to do. I, I guess sort of where, where I'm going with that is, you know, people sort of muse sometimes, well, you should open up more Town Halls. And I think that that would do a disservice to what Town Hall was when it first opened and what it continues to be in the sense that that you can't recreate those relationships and uh, and networks with, with your guests and, and the sense of, belonging and, and collegiality that 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 we have sort of that that's a two-way street um and I, I think people you know respect the fact that we're here and they also appreciate you know if they're coming back and and visiting let's say they moved away but the fact that they can still come back and and interact with people here five ten years ago we still have you know employees whether it be front of house or back of house who were day one employees 12 years ago and there's there's a certain sense of comfort for our guests and and for our staff as well that that they can have those relationships with with one another. Um, so the long term staff and guests kind of feel I mean they almost feel like a sense of ownership of the place too since that there is only one and oh absolutely um, and, and, yeah. and and it's 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 different things for different people. I mean when we opened 12 years ago, I mean I was. 25 years old. A lot of our guests were 25 years old. They still live in the neighborhood now, uh, but they're at different stages in their life. So whereas 
12 years ago, they might have been posting up the bar at 1 a.m. And, and holding court. Now they're holding court at noon with their two-year-olds and <laughs> yeah. having brunch with a, with a bunch of couples. Uh, but they, you know, they still identify with it, and it's still something that they hold dear to them. Um, and that I think, you know, is fostered by the fact that you know uh, they could go to eat and go to drink wherever they want. You know, I, I think a point of differentiation for them is that they feel a, a connection to this place, and, and part of that is is founded in the fact that we're here and 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 maintaining that that personal connection. That's a special thing to build. I think people are always, especially when you're around somewhere for a long time. I mean, I've been in Charlotte my whole life. I, I it it saddens me when places that I've loved for so long close down, and you see maybe a chain come in or something like that. People really long for that. Um, so then is it better to, in your situation, do you guys decide better to have the one, let it stand alone uh, and have its special identity, and then you, you do something, is that what you did? You did a, you've got another concept, sixth engine, and then you've got a third you're working on, is that right? Yeah, I, you know, I think that there are, there are certain attributes that we'd want to translate to, 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 all, to the places that we open and the places that, that we operate. But I, I think that they all sort of need to have their own identities. Other, otherwise, you know, we become like an Applebee's that is just trying to recreate or, or trying to fake that sort of sense of community and belonging. Like, it, I think it's a pretty authentic uh, sense of community and uh, a neighborhood vibe here. Uh, and if we if we started to, we we want that we want to be neighborhood operators in each neighborhood that we're in. Um, Engine, which is the second place we open, is down closer to uh, Verizon Center, Union Station, a little bit more hubbub, if you will. But there's still very much a neighborhood vibe there. It's a different neighborhood, but still, you know, a neighborhood vibe in and of itself. And, you know, there we have day one employees. That place has only been open for five years, but we still have day one employees there as well. Uh, and and the, the residents who, who live in that neighborhood, you know, in, enjoy the sense of community there, whether it be with guests or their, their fellow patrons, and, and there's, there's a community there as well. With with this third operation that we're probably about two months away from opening, you know, we hope to gain that that sort of same traction. And it's it's a newer neighborhood in the sense it's down by uh, Nationals uh, Stadium. So it's a neighborhood that's really just sort of reemerged in the last couple of years. It's a lot of new construction, but there's definitely the sense of people who have bought and have moved into that neighborhood that they are committed to making that neighborhood something viable. And, and part of that is having sort of community gathering places, restaurants, places where you can interact with your neighbors and your friends, and, and, and we certainly hope to be a part of that as well. What um, You mentioned authenticity. Is that one of the biggest advantages you have as an independent operator over the chains? I mean, they've got economies of scale, and they've got – better menu planning, you know, all the time. Um, but is that is that really, you mentioned, like, the the chains that kind of fake it. I mean, it, people pick up on that, at least I think they do, don't don't they? Isn't that one of the biggest advantages that by independence, you know, there's just, that's something that a chain can never replicate? Yeah, I mean, there there's certainly, some, certainly trade-offs. I mean, yes, yeah, so a large cha- chain has, has resources and purchasing and, and just, advanced metrics and and a wealth of knowledge that is that is tough for us to recreate on, on the small independent level 
but they they certainly don't have the same relationship with their guests. They're just looking at if we are able to have X square footage with a certain population, you know, radius and you know, a certain amount of eyeballs every day, then we will we will hit our margins as as long as we're executing correctly. Um, we certainly try to you know embrace some of that, but but some of it's done a little bit more on on feel and uh, just engaging our guests. I think one of the things that that where you really see it year after year are nights like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Like we mm-hmm. we are hands down without question the busiest bar in Washington D.C. And, and part of that is is rooted in our our relationship with the neighborhood and growing up with with our guests and and even though they might not be the the 25 year old that's coming back uh, to visit their family they might still live in the neighborhood they still sort of look to that multi generational gathering spot you know our our goal with a place like Town Hall is we don't want to be the hippest coolest bar in D.C. we want to be one of the most comfortable uh, bars in D.C. There, there are certain establishments in D.C. that have been around for 70, 80 years. I'd say a place like Martin's, uh, that there are residents in Georgetown who probably started going there when they were in their 20s, 50 years ago, and they still will mm-hmm. go there for a drink and dinner. Now that they're in their 70s, it's their neighborhood spot, and and that's that's really what what we aspire to be and and, and hope to be long term. Well, you're yeah, you're betting on the right stuff. I think, man. I know your website says zero pretense, and I think that's that's awesome. You see, you see a lot more of that these days. It seems like um, where I, places I feel <laughs> I don't feel like I'm right. enough to go or whatever. <laughs> Maybe well, that works for a little while, but it, it's 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 a challenge. I mean, while we're first and foremost a neighborhood place, we we aren't just competing with places in our neighborhood. We're, we're competing with places across the city. I mean, with the, with the Uber, yeah. Uberization of travel and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, the options that abound with a $5 Uber ride across the city, um, you know, we, we always have to improve our game and we have to adapt and, and think of more creative ways to, to get people's attention and, and their eyeballs and, and you know, affecting their, their, their purchasing decisions. We, we try to try to not take ourselves too seriously with, with the marketing and what have you, I mean, everyone in in the universe can post a picture of food and say, "Come eat here." Um, so we we try to be a little bit more creative and and sort of re reinforce that that emotional connection to the place. We do a lot of stuff where we feature our staff in our Instagram, what have you, and we we try to be playful with it um, and and just sort of every every opportunity we have just to sort of you know, reinforce that, that sort of, that connection that we have. Yeah, you do a good job of that. And it, um, you have, you have a fun picture of your, a big group of your staff, or your whole staff, I think on your, on your site at town hall, which I thought was really neat. It does differentiate pretty quickly. Um, well, how, so talk about how that's changed. I mean, the last 12 years, you know, how you're, do you, do you, Mostly, is it through word of mouth and and social media, or how do you are you focused on getting? I know you you know with Uberization, you want to get people in, but um, a lot of people can get people in, and then you know if the experience isn't isn't what it was expected, then they're never coming back again. So, 
what's the mix of trying to get him in, and then how much of his emphasis on just plain, yeah, I mean, simple, great service, and you know, making the experience wonderful. There's there's definitely two challenges there. One is getting people in the door for the first time, and uh, then is, is retention. Generally speaking, we think our biggest challenge is getting people in the door the first time because we're okay. not we're not. In a, um, it's it's a pretty small sort of landlocked neighborhood within the city. Uh, and it's, it's by no means the most cosmopolitan uh, neighborhood in the city. A lot of the growth and expansion you've seen in the city is, is more like hot and hot up-and-coming neighborhoods where they've seen a lot of gentrification. This is a, a pretty mature uh, neighborhood in, in, in Washington, D.C., and, and you don't see the sort of PR and buzz uh, in our neighborhood. So, you know, we work, we work pretty hard at, at, at getting new eyeballs in the, in the building. And, uh, you know, one one of the things I sort of give my, my hostesses about a hard time sometimes is we get someone to walk in the door on a Saturday night and they don't quote an accurate wait time and they, they walk to the restaurant next door. You know, I, try, I sort of try to convey to them that, you know, the hardest thing that we, we, we already accomplished was getting them to walk in that door the first time. And now if we're not mm. keeping them to the door, we, we've really done ourselves a disservice. Um, and that's just sort of one of those, like, little anecdotes you know that that I see just being an owner operator or what have you. I I like to think that w- that once we get people in the door, we do a pretty good job of of converting them. Um, be, especially being a neighborhood place, if if we can convert someone who's walked in the door first time, that could translate into fifty, a hundred dining interactions in a year. We, we we certainly have people that we see in here multiple times a week. Um, so you never know if that person who's walking in the door the first time. Could be someone who, over the life of the business, could equate to you know, tens of thousands of dollars in revenue. And there's always the opportunity that you get that person in the front door the first time that that you could convert them into such. And it, it, you know, we we joke around a little bit, but you know, because we do have these relationships with our guests, it's it's always a little uh, bittersweet when when someone hosts their going away party here because. A, we're sad to see them go, but B, we also know that we have to replace that business with someone else who, hmm. who's hopefully moving into the neighborhood. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we certainly getting people in the door. We like to think also that because we are owner-operators and we're here, that if there is something that's going wrong with a guest experience, they would, you know, feel comfortable enough to bring it to our, to our attention. There, there's There's certainly nothing more... Uh, infuriating that someone who has had a potentially a, a bad guest experience and then they don't bring it up during the moment and then resort to, you know, trying to blast us on Yelp or something two weeks later. It 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 it, it really does no one any benefit. They have then had a negative experience. We don't know about it in the moment, and then two weeks later they're just sort of being keyboard warriors about it, and 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 no one's the better for it really. And that, that's keyboard one of the warriors. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, do you do you follow that a lot, or do you keep up with the social media posts and try to engage those folks? Or yeah, I you know I will engage anyone who has you know written a Yelp review or or a TripAdvisor review, what have you. Um, you know, I, I look at those as an opportunity to to engage a guest for for better or for worse. Uh, you know, if someone wrote, you know, took the time to write something, you know, positive. You know, I want to thank them. And just sort of reinforce that relationship. If someone, you know, writes something negative, I, I want to know why. And 
identify what we did wrong and, and what we can do to improve upon it. And and if we've actually, like, really done something wrong, I want to apologize for it and get them back in and, and hopefully get them to experience the experience we want them to have. Um, but, but certainly I, I respond to to every Yelp review. Yelp, Yelp would would suggest that you should respond publicly on, on people's posts, and, and I disagree with that sentiment. Even even though that, that reviewer is, is writing a public review, I always prefer to privately message them, and whether it be a positive or negative review, just sort of thank them or engage them and, and, and you know, find out more about their experience. But but certainly, you know, I, I get a notification every time I get a review, and we, we certainly uh, will respond to them in kind. Why why would you why do you not want to do it publicly? I don't know. I just I just think it's sort of poor form. I mean, especially if it's a ne- even whether it's positive or negative, I just it feels sort of I don't know, grandstanding a little bit when it's a negative one, probably more so. You know, I think that especially if there's something legitimate, like let's have a let's have an an offline conversation. Let's figure out what what went wrong? We don't need to have a a, di- a public forum dialogue about it. Yeah, um, I hear you. I, I hear you. It can seem defensive too, probably, or um, you have to word it the right way, or it may look like, I guess, like you said, like grandstanding, or like you're trying to appeal to people reading it, not the actual reviewer right. or whatever. Um, okay. Well, cool. Well, tell me this: what's been um, you've been at it for a little while? What's what's been the most surprising? thing about the restaurant business to you that you had not anticipated when you got into it? Well, I, I'll t- tell you, I mean, at first we we thought we were just getting into the bar business. Um, when when I, you know, I was first bartending at Adams Morgan, we, we thought about opening Town Hall. You know, we really didn't have a great plan in place. We, 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 we knew that we had uh, a network of peers, and we knew that we could open a bar up in this neighborhood, but I don't think that we were prepared for the level of restaurant that we were going to need to, to open and operate. Um, and that's that's sort of a model that evolved through through the opening process of this place 12 years ago. Is that, and I think it's it's really uh, borne itself out as we've seen the restaurant market evolve in D.C. over the last decade or so. Is that you can't just be a bar that has some food as an afterthought, that really having uh, a not necessarily a chef-driven concept, but but a restaurant where the, where the food is the primary focus, the other stuff will sort of backfill in behind it. Um, there are there there are so many dining options, whether it be dining out or just at this point even getting stuff delivered to your house, that you really can't phone it in on the restaurant uh, side of things. And the the element of the restaurant that I probably spend the most time thinking about is what are we doing with the menu? What are we doing with the food side? Uh, because that that I think translates to just getting people in the door more and then keeping them for the for the bar component. Which we certainly make our money on the bar, but the bar can't exist without the restaurant sort of putting butts in seats. Uh, and with what we've been doing with these subsequent concepts is, is really first figuring out the, the restaurant component and, and putting the, the chefs and their teams in place first and, and, and giving them the time and resources to, to develop the menu uh, 
and that I think is is first and foremost the the, the primary concern, which which is tough for me because I'm I'm not a food guy, like that is not my my background. So it it, it really does depend on on getting uh, the right people in place who's who's that that's their core competency. Well, speaking of the right people, man, you've got a lot of people that have been with you for a long time. Um, so congrats, and uh, how do you do that? I mean, we're we're we're, we're very fortunate. Um, I guess I I can't be as big a jerk as sometimes I think I am, but uh, we we uh, we're we're very fortunate. We've got uh, a, a great depth of management at at all the restaurants, and with with our third place, the Salt Line, coming online, we are able to open with with a management team that has all worked for us in some capacity for for an extended period of time. But my management team at Town Hall have all worked for us for at least, each individually has worked for us for at least five years. Uh, at Six Engine, we have that, that sort of same depth of management and salt line. They'll all be experienced people within the company. So we 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 try to offer a pretty pretty stable environment. We certainly do things our own way and, and you know, there's probably some things that that wouldn't that we do here that, that wouldn't be done in other restaurant groups. But you know, it's it's it works for us and it works for the for the team that we have on on board. And you know, it it's just a it's a very collegial staff across the board and you know, I, I, I sort of joke sometimes that if if we think an employee is not working out, it's not a matter of of whether or not I've assessed that they've they're not going to cut it or not. The rest of the team will vote them off the island uh, because you know they every everyone relies on each other. The 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 cook in the kitchen relies on the the, the server in the front of the house to to do a good job and to ensure that guest experience so that person will come back, and then there will be revenue to pay the the chefs or the cooks salary the the server relies on on the, the the cook to put out a good plate of food so that guests will have a positive meal and then come back and tip them it's a it's a really big you know symbiotic relationship where they hmm. and because they've all worked together for so long I, you know, they get it and they sort of work for each other more than they they work for me um so i think that's that's an important component of it as well is is for having hiring the right type of people who understand that we don't necessarily need to hire professional servers. We we hire more for a personality type. And if, if people can get that and all sort of pull in the same direction, that 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 is really what's first and foremost important for us. And I th- and we've been fortunate enough to get those people here. Are more people making it a career now, Paul? I mean it used to always be kind of like what you did, you know, you worked in a restaurant while you know, when you're young or before college or after college, before your real job or whatever, are more people making it a career now? Or certainly, certainly hiring is is a challenge, and I, I would still say that there is a a dearth of talent across the board. Um, you've seen a lot of restaurant growth in D.C. because it's it's a good economic engine for the city, and there. Mm-hmm. And it had, there was a lot of room for growth, but the labor pool hasn't caught up. And I don't know. I wouldn't say that's that's unique to DC. I, I think you see that in most metropolitan markets, where it 
where staffing is a challenge. I would say, at least in the level of restaurant that, that we are putting forth, we aren't really looking at a professional server, uh, like career server mm-hmm. uh, staff. Certainly our, our bartenders are, are, are more so in that professional bartender um, level. And, and certainly I think your, your management pool are people who, who start off as you know, servers, bartenders, what have you. And, and then do identify as, as something that makes sense for them. And it's, it's a combination of, of elements in that lifestyle that, that afford you different levels of flexibility. I mean, we can be pretty competitive with pay, and, and certainly we, we try to reward our, our longtime staff with, with different incentives and, and you know, sharing in, in the, the profits of the business. But, uh, I mean, to sort of answer your question, I, I don't know if – more people are choosing to do so because it's always still a challenge to find the right people, um, and and that's that's certainly one of you know to go hand in hand with getting people in the door is one of the bigger challenges is just having the right people here in place to 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 run the place as well. But we we've been you know, we've been pretty fortunate with with our, with our current concepts. Well, uh, you know, man, it's interesting because. To me, I look at it, there's a lot of people that are, you know, young people now graduating with uh, degrees where they may not be able to find right. a full-time job. Uh, and consequently, they also have a lot of debt. And uh, I always feel like like a group like yours, like if my kid got out of school or something and uh, and he or she was looking around and couldn't find a job and had some student loans and so forth, I just feel like a good local independent restaurant group. I mean, you're – you're now opening your third. You'll probably keep growing. That means there's opportunities within the business to grow within the business, to grow your career. You do so much stuff. You have to learn to sell. You have to learn to smile and make people feel happy even when you feel you know, you're know, you upset or whatever. Um, you have to learn to hustle. And there's a lot of meritocracy in your business, it seems like, where you know if you just go put in the effort and um, give it everything you've got and work hard for your teammates then uh there's you have an opportunity to excel because you know that's um there's growth within the business and and it's just a great place i feel like where you it really is a, a, a i mean if you want to look for meritocracy where it's going to be up to what you do not where you went to school what your degree is it's, i mean restaurant business is a great business for that don't no, you think no i would agree and, and i'm sure, sure you agree <laughs> yeah I, I i i would agree and, and that that's certainly I would say that was my attitude when I, when I first started bar backing and bartending yeah. uh, back yeah. in 2002, and and certainly a lot of our our front of house staff uh, is of that same mindset. We we certainly hire a, a decent amount of of college kids who are who are living in the neighborhood who are looking for part time work, and we also have a lot of uh, post post college uh, graduates who are either in transitional periods of their life where they're not sure what they're they're doing or you know they are they are looking for ways to augment their income I mean in, in DC you have a lot of entry level jobs or or internships on the hill or or things of that nature where you just can't afford to live in the city on those on those salaries so we certainly have a, a fair amount of staff 
uh, who who fit into that category. You know, we we all some of those college kids or kids who stuck around D.C. are in their their entry level jobs and are are still working with us. You know, part time work uh, several years after they they started working here. Uh, and and, th- and those those are, are some of the best employees in the sense that you know they get it they've they've come up with us they they understand the ins and outs of the business but also have like real world understanding outside of outside of the restaurant and in their daily lives um, so we we have a pretty good pretty good blend of staff in that respect in, in different stages of their lives and and I think that sort of adds to the the well-roundedness of the staff. Different servers or bartenders can add insights uh, and, and help sort of collectively train each other sometimes. Good but stuff, yeah, I man. Mean, it's, it's certainly a good opportunity for for someone who wants to hustle to to, to make money. It, it, you know, it, it, you literally, you get out of it what you put into it. And Amen. I mean, tomorrow that's we right. might have snow. If we have the snow day that we're supposed to have tomorrow, that's that's a good opportunity for people to to really hustle and, and make some money. Well, one more question, and I'm gonna let you roll because I know you're busy, and I don't want to okay. take too much of your time. But I always am just curious, what would you uh, or what do you tell people that come to you that say, "Hey, man, I admire what you've done. Um, I'd love to get into business myself. I'd love to have my own place one day." What what general advice do you give people? that are in that position. I it sort of goes back to to treating it like a business first and foremost and not, and not getting caught up in the hmm. the the allure of it with the you know you see shows like Top Chef and what have you and and, and the romance of it what have you. I I I I sort of muse sometimes that you know I I really like money. It doesn't mean I should be a banker. I think you get some people who are like well I like restaurants and cooking and all that stuff, so I want to open a restaurant. And I, I think one of the reasons that you see such a failure rate, especially in the mom-and-pop uh, restaurants, is, is that, you know, people people lose sight of that, and, and they get sort of get caught up in the moment of it all and, and don't treat it like a business. So that mm-hmm. that's that's really the advice I, I give to people. And, and, and obviously, being well capitalized is important, too, because you never know what's going to go wrong, especially for most independent first-time operators. They're not going into a new construction build where the landlord's taking care of everything. A lot of times they're buying a distressed restaurant that from yeah. someone else make it or in an older building, and you literally never know what could what could pop up in, in some of those spaces. And, and, and we've done it both ways. When we first opened Town Hall uh, in, in our first site, 12 years ago, we, we took over a, a distressed restaurant. We, we probably overpaid for it. Uh, and, you know, if, if we weren't in a good spot, there were certainly times when it could have gone south. And, you know, if you don't have the resources in place and you don't have the right fundamentals in place, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And so I just sort of, you know, tell people to think about those things and, and to make sure that that's what they want to do and to be prepared for, for that, that change in lifestyle. It is, it is definitely a lifestyle decision and it's, it's not for everyone. And you can't, you can't open up a place, a, a, you know, small restaurant like that and not be present. You have to be there. You have to, to make sure 
that, that things are, are running smoothly and you have to be your presence because otherwise it can just spiral out of control real quickly and then all of a sudden you're 60, 90 days behind on on everything and, and you just, you know, you're never going get, to get above water again. Well, it's fantastic advice, man. Uh, and I know anybody listening, heed that advice because it is true and I, I hear that a lot. Uh, from folks like you, Paul. So, hey, man, thank you for the time. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, we're stoked to serve you all. And I just, uh, man, I admire what you've done. So my hat's off to you. And uh, if you ever need anything, let me know. Much appreciated. All right, man, have a good one. All right, take care. All right, see you. Bye-bye.